got your Bibles, and I'm sure you do, would you open to the book of Judges? The book of Judges. I'm going to be honest with you. I missed uh, Brother Tim teaching Sunday school. Not because not I'm lazy or anything like that. He's such a good teacher. Um, what's that? Yeah, he, yeah, he's got the energy um, and, and all of that. Uh, surprisingly, he drinks far more energy drinks than I do, so... Maybe I need to uh, catch up to him on that. But I, I, I've always appreciated his insights and the way he studies things out so thoroughly. Uh, but at the same time, I'm happy to get back to uh, teaching on a full-time basis. And my goal is in this class is we're just going to keep going through the Bible until someday we finished it in our Sunday school classes. So that means we're all going to be about 98, 99 years old when we get done with it. Uh, but I like just going through the Bible verse by verse and, and learning it like that. We are studying one of the most unusual of all of the judges that God raised up for the nation of Israel, this man by the name of Samson. Samson was a one-man army. There's no evidence in Scripture that he ever had an army backing him up or going with him. In fact, we will see, possibly, we'll get to it this morning, uh, that um, the, the Israelites actually turned against him. They did not want to side with him uh, because they were so afraid of Philistine retaliation. Um, so Samson stood alone against the enemies of God as well as the people of God made him very, very unusual. Uh, Samson was a Nazarite. Tell me some limitations uh, that were placed upon an individual who took a Nazarite vow. Can we remember any of them? He was not allowed to cut his hair, and he was in Nazarite from his mother's womb. Uh, so that was a lifelong thing. Nanette, did I see your hand going up? He could not touch a dead body. Uh, animal, human, he, he wasn't allowed to do that. Anything else that was a requirement for Nazarite? Brother Graf. Yeah, no fruit of the vine. Not the grapes, the raisins, the, the juice, the, uh, you know, the, the booze that they would make from it. Uh, he wasn't allowed to have any uh, of that. And so forth. So Samson had that from the time he was born. As a child, he grew up differently than everyone else around him. Remember, Israel's backslidden. They are worshiping false gods. Most of the Israelites probably that grew up around Samson uh, were eating unclean foods. They, they were following the footsteps of the heathen around him. And here's this kid, and he's, he's got this dietary law that he's obeying. His parents are seeing to that. Um, he grew up different. I believe somewhere along the line, his parents explained it all to him. He's called a man of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He's called out by name on that. But at the same time, as Samson's raised up by God, we read in the scriptures that the spirit of the Lord came on Samson more than upon any other person in our Bible. The spirit of the Lord came upon him. Um, so we see this, if you will, spiritual giant, this man of faith, but he's also a man that puzzles us, doesn't he? Some things that he did that we look at and we're thinking, hmm, what was that all about? He was a flawed man. We mentioned this last Sunday. Samson was a flawed man. The Bible points out those flaws so that we can learn from them, not to make those same mistakes. But understand this, every person God has ever used has been flawed. That's not a way of justifying or 
closing our eyes to sin. God certainly didn't do that. Samson paid, if you will, for those flaws, and he paid dearly. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death, okay? But at the same time, we see that um, God's a merciful and gracious God. Aren't you glad he loves us, that he's willing to use broken vessels and so forth? Uh, Last week, we saw in chapter 14 that Samson went to a town of the Philistines called Timnath, and there he saw a, a, a young lady, and he decided he wanted to marry her. Uh, He went back to his parents in verse two and said, uh, you know, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Most marriages were arranged in those days and the parents would get together and decide on dowry and, and, and all of those kind of things. And so he left that to his parents. Verse three, his father and his mother said unto him, is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines. His parents rightly raised a red flag. Um, the Jews had, we, we looked at it last week uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, God laid down specific rules about who they could marry and who they could not marry. Um, and marrying the Philistines, the Canaanites, the Amorites, and all of that, God said, don't do it because they will lead you away from me uh, just as sure as you're standing here. And that appears to be what Samson's doing. Samson said unto his father, get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Now we learned from chapter 15 last week, she had a younger sister that was much prettier than her. So it doesn't appear that Samson chose her because of her beauty, but Samson had something in mind. We'll find out later that he never officially married this guy. Uh, They had the engagement in Bible days, by the way, an engagement was a legal binding commitment. The only way to end engagement was divorce. Uh, That's why when Joseph thought Mary had been unfaithful to him, when he found out that she was uh, pregnant, uh, he was minded to put her away privily. Put her away means to divorce her, but he was going to do it privately. They were only engaged or a spouse. So Samson... uh, Uh, you know, tells his dad, no, get her for me. She pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother, verse four, this is kind of the key to understanding this event. His father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Mom and dad didn't understand that God had put a plan into Samson's heart. And he was gonna put that plan into action And it was going to be where he begins to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Remember, we learned that in chapter 13. Uh, He was to begin to deliver them. So the Lord's put this there. And for us, though, we may not understand all of it. Uh, it's best for us to step back and say, if it was of the Lord, then we're not going to mess with it. We're not going to question that. Samson was not officially going to marry her uh, uh, and so forth. It was a setup against the Philistines, if you will. Verse five, Samson went down his father and mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. Behold, a young lion roared against him. The spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. So we we see that 
thing there. There's, it's not a Philistine fighting him now. It's a lion. And with his bare hands, he just ripped that thing apart. It was supernatural uh, power and strength from the Lord uh, to overcome this animal. It was a secret. He's the only one that knew about it. Uh, we learned in verse number uh, uh, eight that he went back uh, to see the carcass of the lion. That's what boys do. Boys like to go back and look at dead things to see how much more dead they are. Boys like to look in their handkerchief to see what they just deposited there. I don't know what it is. Boys can be gross sometimes. So Samson, typical young man, he's going back uh, to see it. He, uh, verse 8, behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey uh, uh, in the carcass of the lion, and he took thereof in his hands and went on eating, came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. But he told them not that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So God put this little instance from Samson's life uh, in the Bible for us. Um, is everything okay with Samson at this point? Yes or no? Barry saying no. Why? Yeah, he, he just touched the carcass of a dead lion. Um, oh, okay, so he's saying the honey itself might have been tainted. Uh, that's, that's a good point. If I'm going to get my honey, I don't think I'm going to go inside the carcass of a dead groundhog and pull some out. Just doesn't appeal to me, but Samson did so. But remember that Nazarite vow, don't touch a dead animal. By the way, who did he hurt by breaking that vow? Who did he hurt? He hurt himself. Sometimes our justification for doing wrong is, well, I'm not hurting anybody. He didn't get caught. It's not that big a deal. But sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We're seeing a very casual attitude in Samson's mind towards his vows before God. And we've got to be careful of that in our own lives that we don't start looking at the Bible in a casual manner and just saying, well, I know the Bible says, but we're walking down a dangerous road when we do that. Uh, so Samson has, has defiled his Nazarite vow. He's gone home, told, uh, given some of this honey to his parents. Uh, the, the wedding is, is getting set. His father went down under the woman and Samson made there a feast for so used the young men to do. We know his feast is going to last for seven days at the end of which he will consummate his marriage with this young lady. We don't know her name uh, at all. Uh, verse 11, we saw last week also it came to pass when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. He's laying out a pretty big spread. He's trying to impress them and now they are trying to impress him. More than likely, Samson couldn't get anybody from his village to come down and be his, you know, his groomsman in the wedding because he's marrying a Philistine girl. And uh, so, so probably his acquaintance, acquaintances wanted nothing to do uh, with that because the Philistines were the enemies, the oppressors of Israel at that time. So he's got 30 Philistine companions. One of them uh, is, uh, we'll find out later, uh, is called the friend of the bridegroom. And that we today would call that the best man. In verse 12, I think here's where Samson is getting things set up for this plan that God's put in his heart. Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If ye can certainly declare it 
me within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets. That means like a, a, a shirt, a long uh, uh, garment, and 30 changes of garments. That would be like the coat, okay? Uh, I have a dress shirt on. I have a suit coat over it, and, and he's telling that uh, to his companions, um, and uh, he's, he's laid it out there. He gives them uh, the riddle in verse 14. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. Okay, how many of you can figure out what he's talking about easily? Out of the eater came forth, you know, sweetness and all that. How many can do that? Uh, why? Yeah, he's talking about, about uh, a lion and honey that came out of a lion's carcass. Um, we know that because we read the Bible. It, it already told us that. Samson knows that, but they have no idea what he's talking about, about a lion and honey and all of that. Uh, the only ones that know he had any honey were his parents. They have no idea that it came out of the carcass of a lion. He is putting forth before them a riddle that they cannot ever answer on their own. How many like riddles and, and mind puzzles and stuff like that? Anybody? I, I enjoy that. Usually a riddle that you see or you get has a logical answer to it. If you think about it long enough uh, and dissect the various portion of it, you can come up with it. But he's put forth an unfair riddle that there's no way they can answer. And he said, look, if in, if in seven days you can't answer it, you have to give me 30 brand new dress shirts and 30 new suits. That's pretty good. He says, now, if, if you can answer it, uh, within the seven days of the feast, it'll be me that gives you 30 changes. Each one of you will have a new suit for the wedding. Okay, so we put it out there. And they're not going to answer that. Verse number 15, it came to pass on the seventh day. This is the last day. The clock is ticking. That they said unto Samson's wife, remember they're engaged, but espousal was a binding thing. They often looked at him as husband and wife, even before they came together. They said unto Samson's wife, entice thy husband that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn thee and thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take uh, that we have? Is it not so? The Philistines didn't mess around. They were proud, arrogant, race of people. And if they could not answer Samson's riddle, he was... He was embarrassing them. They were losing face. They were a warlike people. Uh, all, all of the Philistine boys were raised to be soldiers. I mean, that was just the mentality, very much like the Spartans in ancient Greece. Uh, they, they had that warlike mentality. And for them to lose this to uh, this Israelite, to this Jew, was to them a great insult. So they went to his wife and they, they just threatened her. This is how serious they were about it. You either get him to tell you the answer and you share it with us before midnight or we're gonna burn your house down with you and your family inside. I, I'm, these guys didn't mess around. This was a big thing. By the way, Samson would, been, would have been fully aware of their reaction to this whole thing because he knew the Philistines. He, for 40 years, they'd, they'd been terrorizing his people. He understood all of that. So this, this girl's terrified. She is absolutely terrified. Um, she didn't want to be burned alive. She didn't want her father's house, all the family, brothers, sisters, mom, dad, and so forth, to be burned alive. And she knew under Philistine culture, they would do it and they wouldn't think twice about it. 
brutal society. Verse 17, and she wept before him the seven days while the feast lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her because she lay sore upon him. She nagged him and cried and blubbered, you don't love me. If you loved me, you would tell me we're going to be married. You won't even share this with me. I mean, it's just a stupid, and I mean on and on and on for seven days, for seven days. If Trina started crying about something, I just gave in. I just gave in. I, I, I just couldn't stand to see her cry, that type of thing. Um, and, and, and she could nag with the best of them if she thought there was something that we ought to do or have or whatever uh, like that. And uh, Samson gives in. Now, we have no idea if Samson knew what she was up to, knew what was going on. But remember, God has put this whole thing in his heart. Samson may not have known exactly how things were going to go, but he knows that God has led him to do this thing that looks so extraordinary by getting engaged to a Philistine girl, and then he puts forth that riddle to them. And so the Bible says uh, that, that uh, he finally told her, and she told the riddle to the children of her people. Um, she's trying to save her life, the life of her family, she goes back to these 30 men and, and gives them the answer. The men of the city said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down. So it's probably six o'clock in the evening, thereabouts. And they just, they just look at him and I can see their smirks. I can see that smug arrogance on their faces. What is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? Now understand we knew exactly the answer to his riddle because we read the verses about it. The Philistines had no way of knowing that unless they somehow cheated, and they did. They threatened to kill Samson's fiance and her family, burned them alive, and so forth. So when they came up with an answer to such an obscure riddle, Samson knew the fix was in. I, I can kind of see him looking over at wifey-to-be over there and saying, I know what you did. And you can kind of see her. And I don't know that she was trying to be bad to Samson. She was trying to save her life and her family. Uh, that part Samson didn't know. Uh, verse 18, he said unto them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, <laughs> you had not found out my riddle. He wasn't real happy, was he? He referred to his fiance as a cow. <laughs> if, you had not, if you had not plowed with my heifer, Gentlemen, do not ever refer to your wife in any way like that, okay? She's your kitty cat, you know. She, she, you know she's your bird of paradise, something like that. But never refer to her as a heifer. You might have a great slapdown coming your way. But clearly, Samson's upset about it. He did not expect this. He expected them to be upset with him because now they've lost face and they're Philistines, they're going to react badly. In his mind, he's thinking, they're going to come after me. And that is the point where I, the spirit of the Lord will come upon me. Remember, he had begun doing exploits in the camp of Dan as he grew up. He understood when the spirit of the Lord came on him that, that, that his strength uh, became supernatural and so forth. And I think in his mind, he thought, that's how it'll turn out. They won't have the answer to the riddle. They'll get furious with me. They'll attack. The spirit of the Lord will come on me. And God will allow me to beat the living daylights out of them. And they'll start getting the picture. My God is bigger than your God. Uh, that type of thing. Do you ever think that you've got God's plan figured out? 
Anybody here ever do that? Oh, I'm the only one. Do you ever sometimes think, well, this is how, I've asked God to do something and this is how it's going to come to pass. Anybody like that? A couple more, a couple more. Um, God doesn't always work the way we think he's going to work. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are much higher than us. And there are going to be a lot of times in life, we're just going to have to trust God. I didn't expect that to happen. I, I, I need to trust God on this. Um, so Samson's in such a place. He doesn't do, do so well. But look at verse 18. The spear of the Lord came upon him. He's angry. Okay, I, it's not going to turn out the way that I thought. I've lost, I've lost the riddle. I, I lost the, the bet with them. I now legitimately owe them 30 shirts and 30 changes of garments. So he went down to Ashkelon. That's a coastal city south of Timnath. It belonged to the Philistines. It was, it was somewhat of a royal city in the Philistine culture. So of all places, he went down to Ashkelon. He didn't go there because they had the mall of the Philistines there with a great men's store where he could get 30 dress shirts and, and you know, 30 suits. He went down to Ashkelon and, and slew 30 men of them and took their spoil. The word spoil means he, he took the riches from his enemies. Uh, in this case, it was the garments and so forth. He gave change of garments unto them, which expounded the riddle. Um, they got their changes of garments, but way down south, 30 Philistines died because Samson, um, Samson was getting his revenge on being cheated uh, in, in that exchange. His anger was kindled and he went up to his father's house. Remember, he referred to his fiancee as his heifer. He's not in the mood to talk to her. Not in the mood to give her a smooch. None of that. Um, he's he's uh, gone out, killed the 30 Philistines down in Ashkelon. Uh, you know, he's, he's given the garments to all of those 30 Philistines that have been assigned to be his companions. He sees the smug look on their faces. He sees their, their nasty grins and all of that. And, and he is humiliated before him. So he just leaves his heifer in the barn and he goes back home. Uh, he's mad. His anger is kindled. Uh, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion. The best man got to marry her, whom he had used as his friend. Odd situation, isn't it? Okay? See, he never completed the whole marriage ceremony and, and contract. Uh, never consummated anything, so he's gone home. I'm sure word has finally reached the people of Timnath about the slaughter down in Ashkelon and that Samson was the one responsible. And can you just see those 30 guys and they're wearing suits and, and they're thinking, oh, I thought that was grape juice. I guess that's blood, <laughs> you know, from, from whoever Samson killed and how he killed him and, and so forth. And they're not happy about it. All of a sudden they thought they won and they realized Samson, Samson had a greater victory than they did. Yeah, they, they, they cheated him on the riddle. Yeah, they got new clothes, but 30 Philistines died because of this. Samson is beginning to deliver Israel. And Samson's gone home. He's angry. Uh, his, his wife, they marry her off to uh, his best man, chapter 15. But it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, 
that Samson visited his wife with a kid. That means a goat, a baby goat, not a child. Okay? Um, you know, he, he's, he's going down. And it's kind, of a, it's kind of a guy thing to do. You know, wealth was often measured in, uh, not in silver and gold that you had in those days, but by the size of your flocks and herds. Uh, and so forth. Job's wealth, in Job chapter 1, you know, he had so many thousand camels, so many thousand sheep, so many thousand cows, that type of thing. That's how wealth was measured. So he's sort of coming down. He, he, he knows he stormed off and uh, things, were, things weren't real smooth. Uh, he knows that he had called her a heifer uh, and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, he, he uh, left town on the final day of the feast on what should have been the wedding day and all of that. So he comes back with the kid, you know, a, a certain measure of wealth, but it's almost like at the same time, hey, I brought you a baby goat. Can you cook me dinner now? You know, it's a, it's a total guy thing to do uh, there. And uh, so he visited his wife with the kid. And he said, I will go into my wife, into the chamber. I'll consummate my marriage. I will just pick up where we left off. But her father would not suffer him to go in. The word suffer means allow. His, what should have been his father-in-law said, uh, no, you, you can't go in to see her. Uh, no, you can't be with her. Uh, and he explained, verse two, and her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. I can see why he would think that. Uh, Samson called her a heifer. Uh, Samson's anger was kindled. Samson had killed 30 Philistines and he had stormed off, uh, you know, in, in, in a great deal of anger and, and time had passed. I can see where this man would just assume that Samson had, has given up on all of this thing. I thought you utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. He's bargaining off his younger daughter who's prettier. He didn't realize Samson wasn't, he didn't choose that girl for her looks. He chose her because he knew God wanted him to do something that was going to stir up the wrath of the Philistines so God could start using him against them uh, and so forth. And uh, Samson said in verse 3 concerning them, the father uh, the girl he should have married, the younger sister. Samson, Samson said concerning them, now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. Now, he already killed 30 Philistines and taken their garments and given it to his 30 companions. Um, he, had, he had already stirred up their wrath against him. Um, they already saw by what happened in Ashkelon that Samson is not a man to be messed with. Remember, as we'll learn by chapter 16 or so, the Philistines had no idea what made him strong. He, he just didn't look the part. Um, I, I, I've told you this before. Based on my acquaintances with Jewish people, my time over in Israel and so forth, a lot of the Jewish people, just by in physical nature, are not really big people. Now, some are. Um, you know, my, my father was of Jewish heritage and he was a little guy. He was shorter than I am, that type of thing. They looked at Samson and they couldn't figure out how does he do all this? It's the spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Philistines are wary of this guy. They know he's nobody to be messed with. Um, Samson has begun all of this, 
But now they've increased his ire even more because the girl that he was legally bound to, to marry, her father-in-law broke that contract on top of everything else that's happened, has married her off to what should have been his best man um, and, and so forth. And Samson uh, is, is not going to stand for that. Verse 4, Samson does one of the most amazing things that you'll read about in your Bible. Samson went and caught 300 foxes. 300 foxes. Anybody ever see a fox in the wild? I think they're beautiful. We had a family of foxes that lived in the woods behind our house where I'm at in Meriden. Um, and uh, they, they had um, babies. Baby foxes are called kits. Uh, and they had two or three. And they would come out uh, to the side of our house and in our backyard, the mom and the dad and the th two or three babies. And they'd just be playing. And they looked like little puppies and all that uh, and so forth. But if you ever approach one, you got to understand that's a wild animal that will gladly rip your fingers and hand to shred whatever they can grab a hold of, uh, that type of thing. Samson went out and caught 300 foxes. Would you understand here, he did not do that just by whistling and they all showed up like Noah and the ark. You know, and he, you know Samson, the Bible says he went and caught them. That means he'd have to put out traps, traps that would get a fox but not kill a fox so that he could do the rest of his plan. Um, how, how long do you suppose it might take to catch 300 foxes? I couldn't even catch, you know, my cat in my house when I, you know, uh, but a, a wild animal, uh, weeks and so forth. Um, tell me something about this action. He went and caught 300 foxes. Uh, what is that little insight we're, we can learn from that? What's that? There's a determination. Absolutely. There's something else that stands out to me. Samson's anger is kindled. Am I right? Um, is it good to say things when you're mad? Why not? We always say the wrong thing and words are awful hard to take back. Uh, when we get mad, we don't always do things wisely. When I pastored in Pennsylvania, we had a man in our church that had an explosive, terrifying temper. Um, his family lived a nightmare with him, and he didn't have to be drunk. The slightest thing could set him off. Um, his wife was in the choir, and we had practiced Sunday uh, evenings before the evening service. And for whatever reason... Um, they were late coming into church and, you know, we saw his car speeding down the street headed toward our church. Our church at that time set up on a hillside uh, and you could just see all the way down uh, Western Avenue there. And here, here came Bob's car flying up the street. He, he skipped the stop sign at the T intersection uh, altogether, flew around the corner and with his front tire, he hit the curb. The curb was badly cared for by the city and the concrete had chipped away and the metal uh, bar or whatever that they'd put in there to strengthen the concrete was, was sticking out and he just slammed the front tire of his car into that and immediately punctured it. You know, we all heard the pop. We watched the front side sinking down as that air went out real fast 
And uh, he, he was already mad at his wife or kids, whoever made them late. He was already mad. He got out of his car and started kicking his car like his car drove itself into the curb. Uh, he's Literally, he's kicking his car. People across the street at the little market are out there looking at the maniac of Gadara. People at the church are staring down at him and saying, boy, I'm glad he's not a Sunday school teacher. You know, that type of thing. And the next thing we knew, he went out and found this big, huge rock uh, that was laying, uh, you know, on the other side of the sidewalk at a neighbor's property. And he's got this rock and he is ready to smash out the windshield of his car. Uh, and finally, one of our men who was six foot nine had, had already rushed down there and just said, Bob, you need to stop. And it's like he came out of his whatever he was in. And, you know, he, he threw the, the stone out in the middle of the street. That was helpful to everybody else. And uh, slammed his car into reverse, slammed it across the street into the parking lot, gave it a few more kicks. Uh, that's the kind of things we do when we give in to anger. Do you understand it took Samson time to catch 300 foxes? His anger, yeah, there's a part of him that is, is plotting and planning and he is determined because he's seeking revenge. They've broken a contract. Um, he knows that, that God put this plan into motion and he's now understanding that this was God's way of finding uh, an opportunity uh, for the Philistines to insult him so he could retaliate uh, and begin that deliverance of Israel from Philistine domination. So we don't know how long it took him. He caught those foxes. He took firebrands. That's like, like a little torch, something like that, very small, a firebrand. Uh, and he turned the foxes tail to tail. That had to have been a fun thing to do. We don't know if he had help on this or not. Uh, we don't know if he did it all in a single day or a single night. It may have been over a period of time, a period of a few days. He got two foxes um, and uh, tied their tails together. And I'm sure that was making him real happy. And in between each of their tails, he's, he's got rope or something doing this. You know, now he lights this firebrand and he does so right beside a Philistine wheat field. Those foxes are going to go nuts. It's like tying two cats together and throwing them over the clothesline. You know, they're going to go nuts. They're terrified. They're terrified of fire by nature. So they're just taking off. One's going here, one's going. And they're meandering all the way through. And he's just setting the Philistine wheat fields on fire. Then he goes and gets two more foxes, does the same thing to the wheat field next door. The Philistines are paying a very, very high price. Samson's not done here. Remember, the spirit of the Lord came on him. Um, we know this plan, though we don't quite understand it was formulated by God. Samson now sees it didn't work out the way he thought it was, but it's going to work out bigger than he thought it was. And the Philistines are about to pay their first big price at the hand of Samson. We need to stop there for sake of time. Um, be careful as we study a life like Samson that, that, we, do, uh, that we, we don't fixate on his flaws. They're in there so we can learn from them. There's other things about Samson, though. If he's listed in Hebrews 11 as a man of faith, then I need to look back over Samson and I need to look at that life to see where did God see such great faith in Samson? And then I, once I've learned that, then I ask, does God see that kind of faith in me? We need to stop there uh, this morning, 15 minutes before the morning service. Greet one another.